this isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did Caesar live here? Um, no. I don't think so. I went to Vegas last weekend. Pretty crazy. Vegas, baby, Vegas! Gentlemen, welcome to Las Vegas. Why don't you give me half the money you were gonna bet? Then we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day. Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 33 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. My name is Jeff, and welcome aboard this little podcast journey to my favorite city on the planet, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. June 22nd, 2016 was a huge day for sports fans in Las Vegas, specifically hockey fans. That was the day the National Hockey League announced that they'd unanimously approved a bid by Bill Foley and the Maloof family to bring professional hockey to the Nevada desert, thus paving the way for the Vegas Golden Knights to become the first major professional sports franchise to be based in Las Vegas. Needless to say, there were doubters, myself included. Could hockey actually work in Las Vegas? How would the team manage to attract local fans? Would the arena be full of nothing but visiting fans, or worse, empty? The Vegas Golden Knights went on to have an incredible inaugural season, battling all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, where they unfortunately lost the NHL championship to the Washington Capitals. But the Golden Knights' first season was about more than just hockey. It was about community. The city rallied around the team, and the team rallied around the city as they played their first ever home game at T-Mobile Arena just 10 days after the tragic events at the Route 91 Harvest Festival on October 1st. My guest for this episode of the podcast is Ken Boelke, one of the hosts of the Sinbin Vegas podcast. Sinbin Vegas is Las Vegas's quintessential Vegas Golden Knights podcast. Along with his co-host Jason, the pair have been podcasting about pro hockey in Vegas long before there actually was pro hockey in Vegas. They launched their site and their show almost a year before the franchise was officially awarded to the city. And as such, they've managed to get in on the ground floor and develop a great relationship with the team. Ken and I chatted about the Golden Knights Cinderella story first season and how the second season was different for the team. We also talked about why hockey is working in Las Vegas and the Vegas fan base, and we discussed what effect, if any, the Raiders coming to town will have on the Vegas Golden Knights, and much, much more. Also, as we approach the beginning of Golden Knights training camp and another NHL season, I got Ken's opinion on the team's chances for 2019-2020. So sit back and get ready for the sportsiest episode of the podcast ever. And please enjoy my conversation with Ken from the Sinbin Vegas podcast. All right. Well, first of all, uh, Ken, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to sit and chat. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, We're here to talk about Golden Knights hockey. Oh, boy. This is uh, you guys, uh, you and your partners in crime. You run the, um, the Sinbin Vegas podcast. Which uh, I gotta say is a very cool little podcast. I guess it's not that little anymore, is it? Um, well, we we have a few listeners, but it, it's little in that it never ends. Yeah, and so <laughs> therefore the amount of people that make it to the end of the podcast is, is little. <laughs> That's for sure. You guys really you got on the uh, on the the wagon super early yeah. when it came to hockey in Vegas. I mean, you guys were in really officially before 
hockey was even a thing in Las Vegas. Actually, in two weeks, it's our fourth birthday of the site. Yeah. So there, or no, fifth birthday of the site. No, fourth birthday. Fuck, I don't know. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, yeah. good. Um, <laughs> where Where is it? We, it was, uh, yeah, it's 8 19 That'll be the fourth year. So we were we started in 2015. So fourth birthday. They're, they are a franchise for two and a half years now. So, yeah, we're almost two years before they played a game. So what made you guys decide you wanted to get in on this? In the first place, I mean, hockey in Vegas, the rumors were were rumbling for a very long time before yeah. the franchise was officially announced anyways. You guys, you were hockey fans, were you? Uh, not necessarily. Jason has always been, I have always enjoyed the game itself, but I've never actually had a team. So it's hard to say that I was ever truly a fan because... Let's be honest, if you just watch the games and you don't have a rooting interest, what are you actually doing? Like sure. it's, it's a major difference if you're in it every single day. And whether that's being what I do or as a fan of a different team, like I feel like I am a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. I have been for the past 20 years. I've not been that for any hockey team until the Golden Knights. So he was a fan of uh, mostly the Ducks. Uh, he, you know, he's... Jason's weird when it comes to his fandom, but the main reason we started the whole thing was that we weren't sure where our futures lied in radio. And with that, we weren't sure how we were going to be viewed when hockey came. And we wanted to make sure that we created a place or a outlet that allowed us to control our own destiny and be involved. We wanted to be somewhere involved with what was going on, and we weren't going to leave it up to anybody else's hands. So we went ahead and built the thing ourselves. And I mean, as such now that you guys have been doing this for a long time, you guys have really ingratiated yourselves with the team. I mean, you guys you guys have a legitimate relationship with, with the Vegas Golden Knights, which is really cool. And with the owner, which is probably the coolest part, and the part that I still can't believe even exists that I can text or email him and he responds it's got to be one of the weirdest things i've ever like why i don't know why he responds <laughs> but he does and so yeah i mean it's it's pretty cool it's it's uh we were very very fortunate at the beginning that when the organization was three people all three of them were receptive to us uh-huh. where that did not have to be the case you, they had Foley obviously was involved with the organization. His right-hand man was Murray Craven, who has since left the organization, was the VP for a bit there. He was really, really cool with us and really receptive to allowing us into the practice facility and taking us on tours of T-Mobile Arena before it was done and kind of giving us a little bit of an insight of what was going on. And then uh, Todd Pollock, the VP of ticketing, has always been kind of on our side, understanding that in the long term, we may end up being able to help him back. So he had that vision, and we are very, very grateful that that went that way because then as the organization grew, it's easy for us to get to know everybody else because they're looking to the people who have been there, and we were kind of 
people that had been there. And so as things were starting to gear up and the franchise was officially announced and things were getting going, did you guys get a little bit of inside scoop on things like names, logos, jerseys, stuff like that? So they they do a really good job of making sure that they're, they create moments out of a lot of things. They create moments out of... Uh, the naming of the team, the colors, the naming of the GM, the coach, like they're very, very good at Vegasizing. Is that a word? Sure. Uh, (laughs) What they do. So when they want to have a big moment, they have their big moment. So they'll kind of tip us off to things are coming. Things are going in that direction. We definitely had pretty good information before that this is happening it's just a matter of when. And then there was a couple different scenarios where there was actually a meeting that was supposed to be in Boca Raton, Florida in May that uh, they were planning on having the the 10, like 10 owners vote to bring it to all 30 at the time. Right. And that 10 owner vote meeting was supposed to happen in Boca Raton. And it was sent out on an agenda that said approval of 31st franchise was on the agenda. I've seen it. Right. And then that meeting got postponed to the day before they actually did it because they knew it was going to get approved. So they just canceled that meeting in general. So that was kind of when we had probably the first information that was like, yeah, this is happening and this this is real. We're going to get the team within the next month or so. So, I mean, sources are sources. You know, it's we 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 fancy ourselves as reporters so yeah so i guess like having information is kind of reporting so yeah i mean we certainly do from time to time and the podcast has led you guys to a few other gigs as well i mean you've got some some regular gigs on on vegas radio that have you know directly related to to the golden knights yeah that's always fun you know people tv radio and i did a documentary interview that was like 11 hours long, which I better be prominently featured in a documentary. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now, but one day it'll come out. Yeah. I don't know when that's going to happen, but yeah, it's really cool that kind of uh, a new media type of thing. Like the, the good thing is with Jason and I, we've both always been in media. He went to like a broadcast trade school. I went to university of Missouri for broadcast journalism. We're, like we're not new to doing TV and radio. So I think it makes it a lot easier for some of these uh, radio stations and TV stations across the country to say like, yeah, they, I get it. There's some weird blog that ha- doesn't even do- have a dot com. Like, I don't, I don't know what that is, <laughs> but they're willing to say like, yeah, we'll, we'll go for it and we'll, we'll give them a chance. And usually we do fairly well in those things. Let's talk some hockey uh, as a Canadian guy. It's, it's in my blood. It's, it's ingrained in me to, to love hockey and love the game. Um, and I mean, I'm a frequent Vegas visitor. I'm down here six, seven times a year. I hit up uh, as many games as I can whenever I'm in town. Um, I I'm a fan of the team Good. that first season. Like let's let's just be honest here. They they did things that expansion teams have never done before. Nope. Probably will never do again. We'll see. And had no business doing the way they did. Really. For the most part. For the most part, yeah. It it was it was absolutely that was a Cinderella story. I think it was less though than I think it gets made out to be, based solely on the fact of who was the goalie. Yeah. Like I know a lot of what happened happened during the time he was injured and they kind of their rise to prominence kind of happened during the time he was injured. But I think that the moment when they went from 
this team's pretty darn good to, whoa, this team's a legit contender was when he came back and you realize like this team's actually halfway decent and they've got a great goalie. No expansion team's ever had a goalie quite like that. Right. And so that kind of allowed them that. And then the rules certainly were helpful. Um, I think they did an unbelievable job with who they got in among those rules. Uh-huh. It makes me wonder a little bit what would have happened if their focus was solely on winning the Stanley Cup in year one. It was not. Yeah. You know, they traded Alexi Yemelin. They traded Mark Mathot. They gave up Trevor Van Riemsdyk and, and Kruger, Marcus Kruger. So there was a lot of things that were forward focused. You know, they took Nikita Gusev in a second round pick and in, in, instead of or for Garrison, where they could have possibly gone the Yanni Gord route or something else. If the focus was, we're going to have a really good team. Let's try and win this thing year one. Things may have been different. That being said, I don't think anybody thought they were going to get enough good players that they were going to be that good. So, so in that sense, yeah, it's a silly Cinderella story. And, and watching them play too was, was really something like they played like they had nothing to lose and everything to prove. I, I going to games, I'd never seen a team, four check that hard i'd never seen a team you know playing just i i kind of laughed and said they they played hockey the way i play you know nhl 19 on my ps4 yeah just not giving a shit just you know what just out there to just prove everything banging it and hitting hard that was that was how they played that whole first season and i think the other thing is they were playing in arena in an arena where every game was the most important game ever. Mm-hmm. And so I think that meant a lot throughout the course of the season was that you can't not have the energy to go for check to go play as hard as you can when you're in a building that this literally is the biggest game in franchise history. Yeah. This is the biggest game any of these people and that's not necessarily true but that feels that way have ever seen and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger uh-huh. and it, it was amazing to me because I look at from the second season compared to the first season the second season had the mid you know the mid-season kind of slumber in January and February where you're like geez just get these games over with so we can get to April already yeah like we know we're playing the Sharks in the first round like let's just do it uh-huh. where that first year it it was it was unbelievable that they reached a position where they could maybe make the playoffs. Then it was crazy that they could possibly win the division. Then they were th- we were thinking President's Trophy for a minute there. Then you get to the first round and like the whole thing just starts over. Yeah, and all the doubting came back. All of it came back, and it's like, well, might as well go win this then. <laughs> where it was so different the second yeah. year, where like there was an expectation that against the Sharks, this is going to be a damn good series. The winner of this might go to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, there was a much different feel to it, and and I think, unfortunately, the success in year one may have hindered them in year two because the games were not as important. Yeah, there was never a game played the entirety of year two, may, save for Game Seven. Mm-hmm. Maybe game seven was bigger than any game that they had played before. It's the first time they really faced elimination. Yeah. That might have hurt them. And that's why maybe the building wasn't the same way in game six. Maybe the building's not the same way during the regular season. So it's uh, it's interesting to me that the way that they played, I think, was kind of like, let's prove ourselves. Let's show what we have. But I also think it was a reflection of 
wow, this is the most important game ever. Yeah. And for most of these guys, it was. Yeah. Outside of Flurry, and he's going to play great anyway. Well, and I mean, Stanley Cup final, nobody expected that. No, but even then, that's when... That's when I felt like that was the moment where all of a sudden it shifted, where the other teams playing the most important game of their lives and the Golden Knights are so used to playing the most important game of their lives that they're not able to raise their level. Right. Where in the first round, they smoke the Kings because the Kings have been to the first round how many times in the past 10 years, all, all every other year, basically. Yeah. Where the Golden Knights were viewing that as the final. Nobody believes we can win this. And then that that. That round comes around where they play a team that's as good, if not better than them, and you saw it. All of a sudden, it they don't look the same. They don't look like they're out-muscling, out-efforting, out-skating, just playing a higher level of game than, they, than their opponent, and look what happened. They lose four straight for the first time all year. Yeah. Yeah, that was, and as a fan of the team, that was, it was rough to watch that. It was but, heartbreaking, yeah. But in my mind, in some ways, not unexpected. It really felt like it was it was going to be a tough one going into that Stanley Cup final, and, and obviously it was. I remember going into that final thinking they should win this, uh-huh. that everything has come easy to them throughout all of this, that they should win this. There's no reason that anything should change, and this isn't a perfect Capitals team. This isn't some historic team. Like, had they run into the Tampa Bay team of last year, sure. and they're in the final, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. There's no reason they weren't as good as Washington. They had played Washington well two times in the regular season. It it, it felt like to me that almost the story deserved that. Yeah. Deserved the right ending. But then there also was the story on the other side. The story on the other side was pretty damn good. Yeah. The Ovechkin finally getting there. The fact that they're playing against a team that is constructed by the GM of the other team. Like there was a lot there and. And that's what happened. I think you you just you you look back at that series and one team played better than the other. Like I don't think they were all that far off match teams. I think they were similarly matched teams. Same kind of with Winnipeg and uh, Vegas. Yeah, I just think Vegas played a little bit better in that series than Winnipeg did. Yeah, and in in the final, like Washington played a lot better. Like the Golden Knights didn't play well one out of the five any of the five games. Yeah, that can happen. Where every other series they've played well. They played well in. Probably five of the six, six of the seven, maybe even against the Sharks. And seeing how happy Ovechkin was at the end to win, in all honesty, I couldn't even be mad. I still haven't seen it, to it, be honest. It was, you know what, watching him part. I mean, Ovechkin, it looked like he just went on a three-month bender yeah. and just partied and had a bl- I couldn't even be angry at that point. I him. just ignore it, to be completely honest. <laughs> like I'm, I'm weird in that like I don't watch the celebration ever in sports because yeah. I don't want to be involved with it unless it's my team, which hasn't happened for way too long. Yeah. <laughs> None of my teams have done anything since 2005. So that's not good. <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I don't, I, and I'm in the building and, you know, I, I walked away. I was downstairs before the cup came out. I was hiding underneath. I didn't go on the ice when I could have to. Yeah. I had no interest in it, and I will never have interest in it until it's the right team winning. We talked, you hit on the the second season a little bit, which was not as good as the first season. I mean, they had some rough starts, you know, they're at one point going, you know, I think they were uh, one and four at one point in the beginning of the season and Mm -hmm. lost a bunch in a row. How hard do you think that was for to swallow for the fans who, after the first season, 
were just, you know, treated to an amazing run and all the wins at the start and everything. That that second season, I know I had friends down here that were really getting down on the team, and I just kind of said, like, this is the way this is, it, this is this is how it yeah. was quote unquote supposed to be I mean, for an expansion team, you know? I I didn't always feel that way necessarily that like I didn't think this is okay like this is what's supposed to happen they're, right they're coming back to earth like that wasn't to me it was just a it was a circumstance uh-huh. they had a bunch of injuries you know they lose Stastny pretty early Tuck missed a bunch of games out of the gate Eakin missed some games out of the gate then Pacioretty got hurt then Hall gets hurt after that and throughout all of this you're missing Nate Schmidt. Yeah. And I think the missing of Nate Schmidt was was way more significant than I ever thought it was going to be. He brings a just the way he plays brings a different uh style of defense to the entirety of the team, which it really shouldn't. Yeah. And I still don't really understand why that's the case. Like why are you playing a different style of defense because one guy's missing? He happens to be the guy that's best at it, but sure. He's missing, and all of a sudden they don't play that way. They were playing a lot more on their own end. They're trying to defend a lot more with their sticks rather than their feet. Uh, they're trying to to get out of their own zone via passing rather than just getting it up out of their own zone. They're skating. They're doing a lot of things they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And that first twenty games was kind of just a a mess. Yeah. And they they were puck luck was not in their favor at all. They right. hit more posts than anybody. They they were missing a lot of wide open shots. They were just not doing the right things. And and I think a lot of that was like, oh God, we we should be better than this, and we're not. Yeah. But I, I thought the fan base handled it uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think the fan base handled it about as well as any fan base would coming off a Stanley Cup final and then starting out your season eight and eleven. Right. It's like yeah, the same good. Yeah. But I think everybody kind of knew like, let's not worry too much about it. Hopefully they start to figure it out, and they did. Uh-huh. And then they got Mark Stone, and they really figured it out in yeah. a hurry. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it was watching that season again. It was a tough one. It was a tough one as a Winnipeg fan, too, and a tough one as a Vegas fan. And then, you know, getting into the playoffs and the way the first round of the playoffs went this year. I mean, that was, was a mess. It was a mess. It was yeah. a gong show. The fact that, I mean, the NHL does their little bracket challenge contest every year. Impossible. The fact that yeah. this year they did a second yeah. chance bracket yeah. challenge means that clearly it went like every favorite lost yeah, pretty much out in that first round. Yeah. And the game seven against San Jose was awful. It was terrible. It was, it was a cluster, which is frustrating because they, it was for 50 minutes the perfect performance yeah and and it was it was crazy because it was a team that throughout the first year they were just going the right direction the entire year it was all like there were little valleys here and there but for the most part they were just going straight up they're the stock you want to buy where it's yeah. like you look at the 10 year history of the stock and it's just a straight line in the right direction you're like 10,000 shares of that please yeah this year was like the was like a more cryptocurrency type line where it's just all over the fucking place. Yeah. It's just nuts. But the thing that that I kept saying about that team last year was when they had to have one, when they had to get out of that rut, they always did it 2 days too late, but they always did it. Uh-huh. They always found a way. So like it's like this is the game you have to win. They'd lose that one, but then they'd win the next four. Right. And they'd come right back out of it, and they looked even stronger. And what was unbelievable was they did it. 
they 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 lost game one, which was their bottom level, and you're like, oh god, they went one further than they should have. Shouldn't have lost that game. Then they rattle off three straight, and you're like, damn, this team's really good. Then the 2019 Golden Knights show back up. They drop two games, and like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, game seven, and everybody kind of wrote them for dead in game seven. Yeah, going back on the road, you lost two straight. You're missing Belmar. It didn't look good. They played phenomenal for 50 minutes, and it looked like okay. Yeah. And all is well. And that's how the whole season went. All is well. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, we only got 93 points, but we made the playoffs. No problem. Everybody's healthy. Yeah. We're in good shape. Well, then the call happens and yeah, there's nothing you can do, really. Yeah, that was I was in my basement screaming it was at bad. my TV. It yeah. was it was ridiculous to to see that whole thing just. Yeah, we won't dwell on that. Yeah, I just I mean, I was in the building and it's like it, it uh, you kind of just shake your head. And, yeah. And, and it's it's frustrating because hockey is is unique in that there are no sports that have that type of penalty quite like hockey. Like, right. There's no magical formula to come back from 28 points in football. There's no way that all of a sudden the umpire is going to help you out and overcome a seven run deficit in the eighth inning. Like, right. Hockey has this deal where all of a sudden they can give you a 25% chance to score a goal in the next minute and a half, yeah. two minutes, and they give you five of them. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a lifeline that only exists in hockey, and the lifeline was thrown, and it, it's frustrating. Yeah. And it's it's the the most frustrating thing is it'll live on forever. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, it's in the DNA of the Golden Knights forever. Yeah. And as much as people want to tell me to move on, I'm not. And it's funny, you say, you only have to say game seven and everybody knows exactly yeah, what worst. you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And like you say, it's going to live on. Like well, that hopefully forever. that changes. Hopefully there's yeah. a positive game. seven. Yeah. Like the, at the moment, this is the only game seven. Like hopefully there is a day where they win a game seven yeah. in overtime or something. But yeah, yeah it's frustrating. And the, 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 the thing that sucks the most about it is the best goal in franchise history happened in that game. Yeah. Marcheseau's goal before overtime that tied the game on the road in game seven to send it to overtime is the greatest goal in franchise history. Yeah. And this is a franchise that went to the Stanley Cup final in year one. That goal's better than all of them. And it goes down as who cares? Yeah. It's a it's kind of a so what goal. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, yeah that happened, but it didn't matter. Yeah. Which cool. sucks because that goal was amazing. Yeah. Cool story, bro. Thanks. Exactly. What's next? <laughs> Bingo. But that that's so frustrating because that goal was so awesome. Yeah. Like that goal is what f- hockey fans dream of. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. The game tying goal with your goalie pulled in game seven to extend the game to overtime when you think you're left for dead. Like that's the dream of hockey fans. Uh-huh. And they got it and we forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks. Sucks. Um, I want to talk about the fans here in Vegas. I, I mean, I'll admit there were a lot of people and I was one of them that quite honestly, I didn't necessarily expect the franchise to be successful in Las Vegas. I mean, it's hockey in the desert, not really a sports town. You know what I mean? Like I kind of, it wasn't like a home team sports. Yeah. Town. Yeah. yeah it's like, definitely a sports town. Yeah. Like, I, but I mean, I expected it. I almost expected it to be kind of the way Arizona is, you know, Oh great. I'm going to be able to come to town. Yep. I'm going to be able to get tickets for really cheap. I'm going to be able to go to a game. There's going to be half empty. It's going to be mostly tourists. It is not ended up like that no. at all. Not even, not even close. Why do you think it's done so well here in Vegas? 
I think it was kind of the perfect storm of a lot of things. I, I think, first of all, this city was starving for a home team. Like, as much as UNLV has been the home team, UNLV is still a college. They still play in the Mountain West. And let's be frank, they're not very good at either of the two sports people care about and haven't been since, well, like, 08. They were okay in basketball. Football has never been good. And then there's the 90s. But now you got kids that are 30 years old that don't remember the 90, the 90, 91 team. Yeah. So, which is me, like I don't, and I, most people didn't live here at that time anyway. So I think that there was this thirst for the thing that allows you to say, I'm from Vegas. Here's how I show it. Like I've said this to a lot of people and I, I don't think people actually understand it that when you lived in Vegas, you can't wear anything or promote in any way that you live in Vegas. Now you can. Uh If you wear a Golden Knights hat, that's saying I have pride for the city of Vegas. You can't do that with those stupid tourist LV hats or like a sign, the, the, the Vegas sign on your shirt or whatever. Like it doesn't work. That doesn't really encapsulate what Vegas is. Yeah. And they wanted something like this. So I always thought the first team was going to do well, no matter what sport it was. Like, I remember thinking it was going to be soccer. Uh And I thought MLS, it would be phenomenal. Yeah. And I still believe had it come first, it would have been. But then you had, then you have October 1st that happens. And now you have a situation where everybody kind of needs to come together. Uh And what was the place to do it? Well, in most cities, it's sports. In this city, I don't know what it would have been. Just so happened that sports were that day. Yeah, you know, it just so it was perfect. It was it was the perfect timing for, I mean, not that, but you know, for the reaction to it, having the Golden Knights there. Like if it had happened a year earlier, I don't know where everybody goes. Yeah, and so that kind of showed, like, look, this is legitimately part of our community, and look at how powerful this can be. And then they didn't lose for a while. Yeah. So a lot of it, it was kind of the perfect storm. But as a whole, I think it would have been successful no matter what had happened, Uh if any of that had happened, or even if they had lost or whatever. It may have taken a little bit longer, but this city wanted something. And you you could tell just by the the gear, by the license plates, by the stickers on people's cars. Like, that's not just because they won. That's not just because they went to the Stanley Cup final in year one or they're a good team or Nate Schmidt's a funny guy. Like it's yeah. it's not about that. It's about it's a way to say, I'm from Las Vegas. I love Las Vegas. This is the best place in the world to live. This is how I can show you that that's the case. I was a little bit concerned at first because, you know, coming here shortly after, you know, the uh, logo and the team name and all that stuff was all announced. And you'd go down along the strip and down around T-Mobile and there was nothing. It was, was, it was a little slow. Yeah. yeah. There was no signage. Yeah. There was no, like even the, 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 uh, the store yeah. had nothing. You they, know, it, it was very, and I just kind of kept thinking to myself, if they want to succeed at this, they got to get their asses in gear. We were barking up that tree for months and months and months. And, and, and admittedly that's partially selfless or selfish on our end because like, we need people to care yeah. for what we're doing to work. Sure. Like if this is a shit fan base, nobody goes to Sinbin. Yeah. Like it does, no, it does, it does, we don't, we're nobody mm-hmm. because there's no fan base. Like it doesn't. So we wanted more. We needed more information, more events, more times where they're, 
you know, I, I was suggesting like, why aren't there Golden Knights people out at Chick-fil-A when it opened for the first time in Vegas? Right. Why, why isn't it everywhere? And I think that at the time, there were a couple people in charge of that portion of it that their focus was not on community engagement. It was on let's get Vegas locals in the building. Right. And so looking back on it, I still think it wasn't quite the right way to go. I still think they would have done better to do the community engagement and that would have led to locals in the seats. Yeah. But the incredibly intense focus on locals in the seats made a huge difference on that opening night when it had to be locals in the seats. Yeah. Those first five, six, seven games outside of the Chicago game, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of St. Louis. And granted, when the Golden Knights win, it feels like there's more people from the home team. Yeah. That made a huge difference. It made it an atmosphere that you want to be in as a Golden Knights fan. Yeah. And that focus ended up paying off where at the time it looked like this is going to be a problem. That Mm -hmm. being said, they also had the perfect storm of things that happen that lead you to make that process accelerate a lot quicker than it probably should have. And it does feel like they, once they kind of figured out that local engagement needed to be there, the team really did. They started doing it right. Like I'd see them on. So, I mean, first of all, their social media was fantastic. They did an incredible job with that. Um, And then to see them on social doing, uh, you know, learn to play hockey clinics for kids and, you know, handing out free hockey sticks and doing ball hockey things and having the players go out and getting involved in that stuff was, was incredible. And then seeing the way the team has really, um, they really talk about Vegas being home. I think you don't have a choice in many ways. Like I think once you, live here and I think that that happened with George McPhee first beyond yeah. everybody like I don't think it necessarily happened with Foley I think Foley's kind of yapping the rhetoric like what he should be saying and that that's fine but McPhee was the first one where it's a hockey guy who has been in the game who has been successful who he comes to Vegas and probably six or seven months in he kind of looks around and says you know what this is better than everywhere else Uh This is better than where I was in Washington. This is better than where I grew up in Canada. This is an unbelievable place to live, and it's going to be a phenomenal place to be a hockey player. And then when the players came in, I mean, they live in Summerlin, five minutes from the rink. The rink is gorgeous. Uh It's phenomenal. It's super easy to get to. Then they drive down to the most famous street in the world to play their games, and the place is jammed. People are loud. They love it. It's a party atmosphere. And then when they go on the road, the the airport's right there. Yeah. The airport is next to your building. Yeah. Like, and then you come home, you come right back out, right by the practice facility. it's so nice. Like yeah. it's such a good place to live and it's even better when you're a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> and so that case, it, yeah. there's no reason for the players to not like what was going on. And I think that would have happened if they were garbage anyway. Yeah. I still think people have said, yeah, yeah, we got to get going. Like we got to start winning, but this is awesome. Yeah. Like we live in an awesome city in an awesome area of the city. We've got the strip. We've got Summerlin. We've got an easy trip to the uh, airport. This is a great place to play hockey. Oh, and by the way, all of us got a raise because there's no there's no state income tax. Right. Yeah. So like everything that you can ask for 
is here for a for a millionaire hockey player. Yeah. So they're going to speak positively about it because most people that look for the good in Vegas, and there are people that come and want to just hate Vegas. That's sure. fine. But the people that are looking for the good in Vegas, you're going to see it. Yeah. And I think with most of these guys, they had no reason not to look for the good because you're stuck here for a year or four. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. And and they've all. They've all done what they can do, you know, in, in anything that I've seen online and interviews with the guys. They've all done everything that they can do to make it home. Yeah. And and I, I think it's fairly easy to do that, which yeah. is good. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you have the situation where the, the rink is open and, you know, there's a lot of kids at practice and you're seeing that. And there's a little bit of community engagement going on there. The fan fest thing that they did down at uh, downtown events center was really cool. Uh, they've done a lot of things that they, they kind of see the fan base growing and growing and growing. And then if you drive around town, like they're not going to know at the beginning, you're not going to know the individual players, but the logo was kind of everywhere after yeah. about four months. Yeah. Yeah. Once they really kind of got into it, 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 uh, it really started yeah. to, to work. For and them. their tie to October one yes. was incredibly powerful mm-hmm. and it made it so that everybody who lived here was like, yeah, how do I not like that? Yeah. Like th- these guys stepped up. These guys had no connection to us at all. And all of a sudden they jumped in the fire and were there for us in a time that it was needed. Mm-hmm. And so it, it made it easy to like the Golden Knights. Like yeah. I think it's I think it's actually kind of hard living in Vegas to not like the Golden Knights. I completely get it if you live anywhere else. Yeah. That's fine. But if you live here, I don't understand why you would hate this team. Yeah. Do you think um Raiders coming is going to affect the Knights at all in any way? I don't think it's going to be good. Yeah. Like, I think it can only hurt. And and I I'm not a I'm not somebody who thinks like, oh yeah, no, more more teams makes everybody better. Like I don't buy that. Yeah. Um, I do think that the way the first three, two, two, three years have gone is going to go a long way to making that less important. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think the Raiders are going to be viewed as Vegas's team. And I don't think that may not happen until they win something, uh-huh. which if that's in two years, things might change in a hurry. But when they come in, if they're five and 11, and they're the Raiders, they're always going to be seen as the Oakland team that came here and they play in that fancy building we built them. Yeah, Yeah, we love going. It's awesome. It's bringing us all these cool events. Like, that's cool. Nobody's going to despise that fact, but I don't think that they're going to be viewed as like, this is ours. This is the Vegas team. This is the one that was built here. This is the one that I want to say I'm a fan of. And I can guarantee you a Raiders hat will at least in the next decade, will never be synonymous with Las Vegas. Yeah. Nobody can wear a Raiders hat and you say, Las Vegas. Right. Where a Golden Knights hat, that means Las Vegas. Yeah. If you see a Golden Knights logo, you know that person has some connection to Vegas. Right. The Raiders will never have that. The uh, the fan experience at T-Mobile is amazing. It's good. I mean, the, I I always laugh. You know, we, we my wife and I have come to games here and, and you know, intermission any other building i've ever been to that's when you go you have a pee grab a bite whatever it's you know it's timbits hockey and human bowling that's happening whereas here it's freaking blue man group it's cirque du soleil it's these amazing performers it's and i mean i guess that was to be expected there's really no other way to do it. You kind of had to yeah. do it. I mean, I don't think it's it's not as easy as it sounds. I I, I think I think we kind of look at it and like, yeah, of course, a blue man group run sure, out there. Yeah. Like, it's not exactly easy. <laughs> so so like, yeah, there's something to be said about it. But 
I do think that there is uh, they've done a good job of finding a way to keep that building up. Right. The 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 energy in that building is high a mm-hmm. lot and and you can feel it. Like there's a really strong feeling of like when a period ends, there's like a two or three minute period where the whole building, the air just comes out. Yeah. And they do a really good job of putting it back in. Yeah. And like they, there is a I've heard I've had people tell me like I went to a game and like when I walked out of there, I was looking around like what just happened? Yeah. Like this was three hours of madness. Yeah. Nonstop. Like it feels like the game is never stopping. Yeah. And that's a huge testament to the way that they, the, the in arena hosts, the, the scoreboard, the, the mascots, the, the fan, just the way the fans interact with, with each other and with the team and the way the, fa- the team plays. Mm. It's, it's a hell of an atmosphere. And it should get better. Like as the games get more and more interesting and more and more intense. Yeah. And now as you have a little strife in it, I think the fan base is going to be even more powerful because now when the sharks come, there's some hostility there Yeah, and there's going to be some hostility to this entire season. Like we got to make up for what happened last year and that's players and fans. So I think it's going to be an even different experience and probably even better this year. It's funny that you mentioned about how, how fast the games go. And I I've, I've noticed it, but I've never really thought about it. The games that I've been at, you're right. It's like, it's over. It just, it starts and then done. It's over. And and you, you're what the, okay. Oh, now I'm going to walk out of this building out onto the Vegas strip and holy hell, this is this is the greatest. Yeah. This is the greatest game experience ever. I mean, I've been to games in Edmonton. I've been to games in Calgary, Winnipeg, you know, other cities. And there's times when it's like I am bored at this hockey game. That does not happen here. Well, and again, that's because they do such a heck of a job of keeping the level high. Yeah. Because when hockey's going on, the intensity level's going to be there as long as the people in the building care what's going on, which that's going to be a challenge if that day comes. Because if you go to if you go to Anaheim late season last year, if you yeah. went to some of the Arizona games, I'm sure Edmonton got this way that like <laughs> oh they like, do yeah. The second the game is, you don't care. It's real hard to get any energy back yeah. in the building. So the fact that the games have mattered since day day one. And they're always important to the fans in the building. The action's going to be there during the 60 minutes where the puck's in play. Uh-huh. It's the in-between. It's the two-and-a-half-minute timeouts. It's when there's four face-offs inside of three minutes. Uh-huh. They do an unbelievable job of keeping that building hopping. Yeah. And it almost like it, you almost take your breath in the game yeah as opposed to when the puck goes up into the net yeah and then you like okay okay calm down like that's what happened in like game seven in the playoffs that's when you calm down but in the regular season that's when you're like all right what's happening next <laughs> like yeah. they, they do a really good job of that I, I think a lot of credit there should go to the dj in house mm-hmm. jake wagner's unbelievable like yeah. and and i've noticed this he does the las vegas aces games and the more I go to those games, you just realize like the the music that's being selected makes a huge difference. Sure. And there are certain times where you need some intensity and he picks the right song to put that intensity in. It's a, he does an unbelievable job and I think he deserves a huge amount of credit. And I don't know what would happen if they didn't have him. And it's interesting too how how big of a ticket Vegas Golden Knights has become with, I mean, locals and with tourists. 
And people that are, you know, are not traditionally hockey fans that are coming to town, I'll see them on various Vegas related Facebook pages that I'm on. I've had the questions as well sent to me on my Twitter and Facebook and people saying, hey, I'm coming from the UK or I'm coming from, you know, Ireland or I'm yeah. coming from wherever. Yeah. And I'd really like to go see, as, as they always call it, an ice hockey game. And I'd like to go see the Golden Knights. How can I get tickets? And and it's it's fascinating to have those people wanting to start and come and watch hockey yeah. that were, were never hockey fans before wouldn't know a hockey puck if it hit them in the face, but they're coming to Vegas and they want, they want to go to a game. It kind of reminds me, I was just in Italy for two weeks and you know, a lot of it's sightseeing and we went around and Trevi fountain and the Pantheon and the Spanish steps and St. Mark's square and all this. And then we got to Milan and we went around and did a couple of different things in Milan and, I'm looking and I'm like, wait a minute, why am I not going to the most popular soccer stadium in all of Europe right now? Like, yeah, I would love to go to a game out there. So we went out and we went on a tour, but it's the same idea. I have no interest in Inter Milan and AC Milan soccer. Sure. I have no interest in Italian soccer really at all. Mm -hmm. I like soccer, but even that, like it didn't matter. Yeah. It's it's the current Coliseum. Mm -hmm. The same reason why I wanted to go to the actual Coliseum. I wanted to go to the Coliseum that people go to now. Yeah. That's what it is here. It's the best show in Vegas, which uh -huh. is insane. Yeah. Because there's some damn good shows here. Yeah. It's the best show in Vegas. And it's it's once in a lifetime stuff. If you're coming from overseas or you're coming from somewhere that you don't necessarily get to be here that, you know, you don't get to go to 40 games a year. Right. It's an awesome show. And, and it would feel like you didn't see the Vegas sign. If you came to Vegas and didn't go to a Golden Knights game. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Like if you didn't see the Bellagio Fountains, you go home and your 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 parents are like, well, where's the picture of the Bellagio Fountains? Like, oh, I forgot to see that. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, where, why aren't you at a Golden Knights game? Well, yeah. I, I forgot. Like, it can't happen. Yeah. Which that's amazing that it's gotten to that point in two years. And I think that first season is probably, I mean, that's obviously what what garnered all the excitement and brought, brought people up yeah, was, I mean, was that you know, that worldwide attention yep. on this team. Yep. The story was so awesome. Exactly. It's such a cool story. It, it had, it had everything you could ask for, for a Disney movie. Yeah. Like it has the tragedy at the beginning. It has all the characters that are feeling slighted and you, you almost, you almost connected with what the team was. Yeah. Everybody has that feeling like, ah, nobody wanted me, but I'm going to prove myself and be better than everybody else. And that's what they were. Mm -hmm. They really weren't. But that's what it felt like they yeah. were. So like the story was so popular and so good. And then expansion teams are cool. Like I don't I don't care what sport it is. I don't care what's going on. It is cool to be an expansion team and to be a fan of an expansion team because nobody can hold over you the 80 years of hockey that you didn't see because you weren't born. Right. Like if you're an Oiler fan and you're 40, yeah. You don't know what happened before you were you were born. Yeah. You know, you're a Blackhawk fan and they're like back in 1927, you're like what what is this all about? <laughs> Where with the Golden Knights, it's yeah. like, yeah, I remember when they signed Reed Duke. It was awesome. Yeah. Like you can't you can't get that. Yeah. The, I, uh, the newest team beyond them is what? 08. 
Yeah. It's like 15 years to 10, 12 years old. Yeah. I, I go through that with, uh, with friends of mine who are Habs fans and Leafs fans, you know, you can't oh, win. Montreal Canadians have won more Stanley cups than any, any other yeah, team. You're not even league. alive, man. You, you were not even born uh. the last time they won a cup. Uh. Like what it really, it and, and, and like that, that's like a fallback thing, but, it, but it also, to me, it also makes it hard to be a fan of that type of a team. Yeah. Like as a kid, you're going to have a hard time picking Montreal now as opposed to picking Seattle in two years. Sure. Because you're like, all right, I'm completely new to this sport. I know absolutely nothing, but this seems kind of awesome. Yeah. If I pick this team, I need to learn 90 years of history. Right. If I pick this <laughs> team, I need to learn four days. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it is cool to have the belief that 20 years from now, I'm going to be the guy that said I was at the first game. Yeah. There's something special about that. And that's not just living here or whatever. That's everybody. Yeah. Everybody has it. Seattle will have it. Not as much as Vegas because Vegas is a special city. Yeah. And everybody has some connection to Vegas, whether it's gambling or the hotels or the strip or whatever. Everybody loves or hates Vegas. Yeah. Most people are like, ah, hey, Seattle. Cool. It rains. Yeah. So I think that that helped too, that that made it, it was an expansion team in a sport that a lot of people don't have a team in, mm -hmm. which is helpful. If there's an expansion team in the NFL, there's like seven people in America that are like, I don't have an NFL team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that makes it a little harder. So I think that it went a long way and it was, it was the right place, the right time, the right team. And then they won. Yeah. It's funny when you talk about, you know, getting in on the ground floor on this. I mean, I've had casual acquaintances during last year's cup run and when i was cheering for vegas oh bandwagon jumper yeah. first of all it's their first season so awfully it, difficult pretty, to jump. yeah pretty yeah. hard to be a bandwagon jumper secondly i bought a t-shirt i had a t-shirt before they had any players <laughs> so bite me on that yep. but like that's the thing though is like you can say that uh, but about the golden Knights where yeah. to say that about Winnipeg, you had to go into them moving to Phoenix and yes, you, you, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. And that's not something you can decide out of nowhere. Right. Where now it's almost like too late. Now these people like don't pick Vegas, then take Seattle. Yeah. You got another chance coming up in two years. Like it's almost like a millennial type thing. Yeah, exactly. Like a 2020 type thing. Like yeah. we, we need to be involved now. Like yeah. Everything's so concentrated. It's that, the, the instant gratification yeah, and, and living in it. the present. You have to and have you had it with, yeah. the, with that team. It's yeah. cool. Um, coming up next season, third season. Um, how's the team looking? They're good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really like the off season. They 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 came into the off season kind of in in cap trouble, and they had to find a way to kind of uh, get some of these salary caps salaries off the cap. And the way that that hockey works, if if you're a team that's really really good and you're paying your players too much, you got to get rid of some of your good players. Like that's the way it works. That's kind of the point of the salary cap. The idea is that all the teams are equal uh -huh. in some way. So unfortunately, that was going to happen coming into this offseason. I think they took it a couple steps too far. Yeah. I don't think they did anything to make the team better. Uh -huh. And I have a hard time as somebody who wants them to win the Stanley Cup to sit here and say they lost in the first round and nothing they did in the offseason made them better. That's a challenge for me. Yeah. That's not necessarily what I want to see. And I don't think they horribly underperformed a year ago. Like maybe in the numbers department, but like when they were at their best, they were very good. Mm -hmm. but were they the best? 
I don't know. I would argue no. So the fact that they didn't do much to get better is a little concerning for me. That being said, they're a playoff team. Uh-huh. There's going to be playoff hockey in Vegas in April again. Yeah. And we'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's exciting. That's cool. And that's going to be fun. But I didn't like the offseason. I'm hope I'm, I'm optimistic that they're going to be good, but I'm not as like gung ho as I think I could have been had they taken one step back and found a way yeah. to kind of plug in one of these extra great pieces to a team that was already great. You had a team that was really good. And you thought had a good chance of winning the cup, and now you had three or four pieces that you had a chance to plug in and to an even better team. And the thought was like, wow, this team's going to be like nothing anyone's ever seen before. Well, they didn't do it. They took all the pieces out, and they were going back with the same roster. Uh-huh. It's not as good for me. Yeah. That being said, I think they're going to be good. And if they win the Stanley Cup, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. So. Excellent. Well, Ken, uh, thank you You for for taking the time to chat. Um, If people want to find uh, Sinbin online, social media, whereabouts can they get you guys? Usually you just type it in somewhere. We're we're there. (laughs) Twitter, Instagram, (laughs) Facebook. Uh, We don't have a, well, we do have a .com. Sinbinvegas.com exists, but I like Sinbin.Vegas better because what other city has a .Vegas? So we have that. So we go with that. And uh, yeah, just, I don't Google it. You'll figure it out. Excellent. Thanks so much, my friend. You got it. You can find the Sinbin Vegas podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And for the latest Vegas Golden Knights news and updates, head to sinbin.vegas and be sure to follow Ken and Jason on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sinbin Vegas. And a few Golden Knights related items to mark on your calendar. Rookie camp opens September 5th. Training camp opens September 12th, and the team will play host to the Arizona Coyotes for the first game of the preseason on Sunday, September 15th. The team plays their first regular season game of the 2019-2020 season on Wednesday, October 2nd at T-Mobile Arena against the team that ended their playoff run last season, the San Jose Sharks. It's going to be an awesome game. For tickets and info, head to VegasGoldenKnights.com. Well, that puts the wraps on another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback to share on this or any other episode of the show, feel free to reach out via Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. And if you're after ideas and suggestions on where to stay, where to eat, what shows to see, and what to do for your own Las Vegas vacation, get in touch via social media or email me directly at Jeff at WalkerNewMedia.com. In the meantime, thanks again for listening. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. Be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 33 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast, a Walker New Media production.